The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Well, it's not just the Twitter mobs, the leftist extremists and the flagrant fourth wave feminists who want ICE abolished. As we have seen, there's now a growing number of politicians who want to see it abolished as well. Q. Alejandro Alvarez. 32 years. In his 32 years alive, he has managed to cultivate his brand as a serial immigration violator. He has been deported 11 times, and now he's facing deportation again. Uh, this time because he, quote, slashed his wife with a chainsaw, end quote. His wife is now in the hospital, and she is expected to survive. Around 3 p.m. last Wednesday, police arrived at Alejandro's uh, house. When they arrived, they found his wife suffering from traumatic physical injuries, believed to have been inflicted by a chainsaw. The couple's three children were huddled in fear inside the home. (gasps) Is ice coming, Daddy? Or were they possibly afraid of, where's ice? Daddy's got a chainsaw. Alejandro's wife was rushed to a nearby trauma center for emergency surgery. He fled the scene of the crime, but eventually hauled in by police and booked under suspicion of attempted murder, child endangerment, hit and run, and grand theft auto. (laughs) But that's it. Now, it sounds kind of me like the kind of guy that, man, Ellis Island would have let in, right? ICE spokesperson Laura Haley noted that immigration officers, I'm quoting, have lodged a detainer against Alvarez requesting that local authorities notify Immigration and Customs Enforcement before his release. Uh, Wait, what? Let me read it again. Immigration officers have lodged a detainer against Alvarez requesting that local authorities notify Immigration and Customs Enforcement before his release to allow them to take him into custody. So this is the new reality, America. The immigration agency has to ask for permission to file requests to have legal immigrants who are guilty of crimes with a chainsaw so they can deal with it. Luckily for, well, not the American people or really his wife or family, but lucky for him, he lives in Los Angeles, a sanctuary city. So, you know, he'll probably get another pass and, be out on our streets clipping the hedges or people in no time it's monday july 16th you're listening to the glenn beck program and all is right with the world hello america and uh, welcome to the program say hello to my good friend mr pat gray hello pat Hello, Glenn. Good. Filling in for uh, Stu. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. Yeah, you were filling in for Stu on his weekend. Yes. Okay, good. Y- yes. Yes, all right. I, w- did, I was. Did you get anything out of his house? 
He's been gone now for weeks. So. Some of the more valuable, more things. valuable things. Yeah. Good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that Alejandro thing that doesn't bother you, does it? Not at all. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I don't want to see him separated from his family. You can't separate him from his family. Right. Amen. You know? Amen. He <clears throat> may have <clears throat> wanted to separate uh, his wife from her head. Right. You may have. You know, or uh, her arm. Right. You know, but you can't separate him from no his children. Not this at all. Wrong. How about this one? This one bother you at all? In Alabama, a 13-year-old was found dead in a wooded area last month after she was beheaded. She was beheaded uh, because apparently she saw two men stab her grandmother to death. The grisly details of Mariah Lopez and her slaying came out during a preliminary hearing of Yanni Martinez Aguilar. Aguilar, 26, and Israel Gonzalez Palomino, uh, are th- he's 34, are each charged with two counts of capital murder in the deaths of Lopez and her 40-year-old, uh, 49-year-old grandmother and legal guardian. He's also, uh, one of them is also charged with possession of methamphetamines. Members of the middle school family uh, wept as an investigator testified about the death of the mother and the child. Apparently, uh, Aguilar told detectives that Mendoza was involved uh, with a cartel, the Sinola? Sinaloa. Sinaloa cartel do you know anything about them mm-hmm. what about them it's i think the second biggest cartel in mexico okay let's see you're wrong again one of one the of the lo- biggest. one of the most powerful all right trafficking <clears throat> second anyway uh they um uh they came up here from uh, mexico and uh they uh, went to georgia where they picked up a quarter kilo of meth for the cartel along the way something went wrong and uh palomino became suspicious that mendoza and garcia also tied to the cartel might be setting him up so uh the they they ended up at grandma's house they found a text sent during the drug run in georgia which asked an unknown woman to pick up her grandmother who was Palomino's wife, because she feared uh, that she and her grandmother were in danger. On June 4th, the men woke Mendoza at their Huntsville home and told her that they were taking her and Lopez, who had special needs, someplace safe. Well, that someplace safe was heaven. Uh, They uh, stabbed the grandmother multiple times, leaving her for dead. Lopez, who witnessed her grandmother's slaying, was taken to a wooded area two and a half miles from the cemetery. <clears throat> uh, where one of the guys said, uh, the other guy forced me to kill her. Um, he apparently uh, took a knife to this child of special needs and sawed her head off. It apparently took some time good decent hard-working family people you know now i don't know uh, maybe maybe the uh 13 year old and uh, grandmother 
were not here legally either. But I don't put them in the same category as I do the people who were sawing heads off. Now, maybe Grandma was involved in the drug deal as well, which it looks like. So, do we care less about this story? How can somebody be beheaded in this country? How can someone, a 13-year-old girl of special needs, have her head sawed off? And that doesn't make the news. How, how is that possible? You have to have a pretty firm agenda not to report on that. <clears throat> because look at the things they report on. I mean, if this fits their agenda, they're all over it and it's everywhere. But this doesn't fit the agenda. So they'll just, they'll just talk about ripping babies out of the arms of their mothers instead. Yeah. Which Hillary did again. Uh, this weekend, she found it outrageous, outrageous that this administration is ripping children out of the arms of their parents. Really? Because you didn't find it outrageous under Obama. <laughs> no. You didn't no, find it didn't. outrageous at all. When they had double the numbers of children ripped out yeah, of the arms. Right. And now, you know, did you see the latest that they, what they're outraged by? They're outraged that uh, the administration has not gotten all of the parents and putting them put, put all the kids back together with their parents yet yeah did you and did you see why the the administration actually yeah. listed some reasons yeah i saw him go ahead go ahead start with your ridiculous reasons <laughs> uh well um some of them were uh child abusers which they can't release them back to child abusers uh some no, of them, parents rights some of parents' them, rights, okay? Right. Can't separate you families. Can't separate families. Yeah. Uh, some of them were already uh, had left the country, mm-hmm. and so were no longer around. Uh, some of them had felony uh, charges pending against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was on and on and on. So the fifty that they were able to uh, find the parents for, and there was no issue, they did return to the parents. Mm-hmm. But there were there was another fifty or so. That they, they couldn't find them or they were child abusers. Yeah, suddenly, 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 suddenly the left doesn't care about the home situation. Yeah. Suddenly the parents, yeah. no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. I thought it took a community. I thought it took I thought it took a whole village. Aren't we supposed to all be someone else's parent? Here's, here's a, an administration that has children separated from their parents. We don't even know if they were being used in child trafficking. We can't find the parents. Now, let me ask you this. Pat, your child's missing. Your child has been taken by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. You were here illegally, but you were a good family. Per- you were just a good family person. You know, you were just coming mm-hmm. here for, you know, the, you know, the access to Orange Julius because you heard that we had more of them because they've all gone out of business in Mexico. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. And you are, Ju- your name is Julius. And you're like, I made the best Orange Juliuses and I'm going to be able to be the king of the Orange Julius, you know, Mecca here in America. You've been lied to. 
but you're a good person. Mm-hmm. When you hear that your child is by law to be returned to you, are you hard to find? Uh, no. How? Um, well, I, I mean, I'd probably get my child back and then we would just disappear into the country. Yeah, no, but I mean, this is so often happening. Yeah, but I mean, if you were, I mean, if, if your child was lost, how could the United States of America find you? How could they find me? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't call them or text message or email. Orange Julius? Well, if they knew about the Orange Julius thing, maybe. But they don't know about that. They don't know about that. Would you make yourself hard to be found by the government? Or would you be calling ICE from wherever it is you are? I'd want my child back. You'd want your child back. Yes, I'd be calling. I'd be calling. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous to assume that, that if you are separated from your child... And the United States government can't find you. You don't make a phone call? I, yeah, I don't. I, I, it I, is strange, isn't it? It is a little strange that, that mm-hmm. you would be considered a parent mm-hmm. worthy going back to. But you can't bring that up because that's hateful, I, I guess. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know. It's, it's like, you know, these ridiculous story oh somebody's gonna come across the border you know and cut somebody's head off (laughs) (laughs) i know it's crazy hey i want to thank our sponsor this half hour how'd how'd you sleep last night i had a great night's sleep i had one of those uh, nights where you wake up and you you just wake up naturally and you're like ah Oh. Wait, what time is it? And you're fully uh, rested? I love those nights. I Even better are the nights that you wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, it's about time to get up. I know it is. Because you're not rested. Oh. And then you wake up and you just look at the clock and it's 1 o'clock. You're like, oh my gosh, four more hours of sleep. If you can imagine a great night's sleep... Uh, and you're not experiencing it, you need a Casper mattress. Try it out from your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. If you, if you don't love it, they come and pick it up. It's a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. And it is a new kind of foam mattress, so it ha- it's breathable. So it's not the, I mean, the fire's a hell hot. Casper.com. Use the promo code back. The best night's sleep. Otherwise, they return every single dime. Test drive it every night for 100 nights. Casper.com. Use the promo code back. That's Casper.com. Promo code back. Glenn Beck. So the slaying of this, of this 13-year-old girl who is handicapped uh, that came out uh, June 14th. So two days ago, Not this happened. It's a month and two days ago. You know why you always July have to nitpick. 16th. Why you always have to nitpick June, July? It's the same thing. Two <laughs> days ago, this happened, and now you're trying to make it into a big deal that mm-hmm. nobody has reported on this. You know, mm-hmm. in two days, time. You know, news doesn't travel that fast. 
Here's this 13-year-old kid whose head was sawed off in Alabama. Sawed off in a cemetery. Where's the news on this? Now, you know, I know what you're thinking. Here's two businessmen who are just trying to make ends meet, who are just trying to protect another small independent businessman and his cartel. And uh, they... His mid-size cartel. Mid-size. It's not even 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 the the biggest. biggest. It's a mid-size cartel. mm -hmm. And this girl, she... I mean, she, she was handicapped. She didn't have any real quality of life did she she didn't have any quality of life i mean if we could have just if we could have just had uh free universal abortions and even you know the ability to judge a child you know you're born with handicap you know problems i mean we probably should eliminate you then too because you're gonna have no quality of life hmm so what we're really saying here is because it's taken a month and two days before I've even seen this story. <clears throat> are we as a society saying that she that her life didn't matter because that's what it seems like a 13 year old mm-hmm. girl can have her head sawed off by a drug cartel in Alabama. And we don't, we don't hear about that. Does her life have no value? Did her life have any meaning? Her name was Maria Lopez. I think her life had meaning. If we remember her. Let me switch topics. What is it with Elon Musk and the the Thai uh, (laughs) cave dweller heroes? Yeah. uh, Is it ill-advised tweets? Maybe. Maybe. But it's deeper than that. There's like, he's like... (laughs) I don't know what's going on with this. If you don't know, he tweeted this weekend that one of the, quote, heroes was, quote, most likely a child molester. Well, he said he was a pedophile, pedophile. a pedo guy, a pedo guy. Okay, so he was a basically he's a pedophile, a pedophile. That's what he was implying. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. about And when he was called on it, he said, uh, I'll bet you a dollar with my signature on it. That it's true. <laughs> okay. And it, it seems to have started because this guy called into question his submarine that he brought over there. Yeah. And he, and the guy said that it was just a, a publicity stunt on the part of Elon Musk and that had no chance of ever working out. And uh, I think that pissed off Elon a little bit. Yeah. And so we called well, him a pedo you guy. You might not want to jump right to <laughs> you might not pedophile, want to. Yeah, maybe you not. know, or child molester. You may not want to jump right to that, Elon. <laughs> uh, it might be hazardous to your bank account. 
uh, just slightly. Back in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the program. We're, we're glad you're here. Uh, there's a couple of things that I. Uh, I want to point out, apparently, uh, Prince Charles and Prince William refused to attend a reception held by Queen Elizabeth for Donald Trump. Refused. Uh, this is a highly unusual occurrence. Uh, people who watch these kinds of things. Wow. They need a life. But the people who watch these kinds of things say they can't remember the last time that the queen went something like this unaccompanied. She was left alone. Uh, with the Trumps, and God only knows what could have happened. Um, but um, uh, apparently, the prior engagements, Prince Charles had a police event, and William took part in a polo match. Oh, well, obviously then you can't, I mean, you can't interrupt your polo match for the no. President of the United States, no. leader of the free world? No. Uh-uh. These I mean, guys they, are big lefties. You know they hate him uh, oh, with well, passion. Well, I mean, the, the, you know, between the, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, who is absolutely, who believes literally that people are akin to a virus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're big time lefties, big time lefties. It's, it's amazing to me how Britain has treated this president when they fell all over Barack Obama. They loved Barack Obama. Barack Obama hated, hated them, hated the British. Uh, Kenya was a British colony, and his family, up to and including his dad, infected him with a an incredible, deep-seated hatred uh, for colonialism and for the British Empire. He hated the British. One of his first acts was to send back the bust of Winston Churchill. Yeah, in a, an incredible slap in the face. I mean, the press is making such a big deal out of, uh, oh my gosh, look at what Donald Trump said about Theresa May and... Uh, uh, and and Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that Donald Trump gave the prime minister the bust back and said, here, take this with you. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. that couldn't there couldn't be a bigger slam than that. This is on global policy. That was on. I hate you and your customs. Yeah. And your people. Yeah. Your history. And yet they fell all over him. Yeah. All over. They, they just invited the Obamas to the royal wedding. The, the, the Harry and Markle thing. Jeez. Uh, it's agonizing. Mm. Whereas, you know, Trump, I mean, he's. He's probably a fan. He's, I'm sure he's a fan. Yeah. He's, yes, he's indelicate. He, <laughs> there's maybe some things he shouldn't have said to the British right. press uh, as he's coming into the country to spend time with Theresa May. Right. But I think right. at least right. he's a friend to the to the Brits. Yeah, I mean, and he's got gold in his house. They have gold in their house. Right. They have a lot in common. A lot in common. They all have those really uncomfortable old <laughs> chairs. I mean, you know, yeah. you look at Donald, think of Donald Trump's house. And think, is there a chair in that house that you're like, oh, man, I could just sit no all way. day in that chair and There's read? There's not one. Nope, not one. <laughs> think of Buckingham Palace. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. There's not a chair in either of their house. They have a lot in common. Where Barack Obama, what did he have? And did he even really have that? Or did he get that from his dad? The, the, the hatred? hatred. I think it came. I think it was one of the dreams from his father. 
the the hatred of the British. Uh, his father fought hard against uh, the the British Empire. Uh, you can kind of understand it. You can. My, my father fought hard for the use of real butter, and uh, <laughs> that's and a, I got that a very from my similar dad. situation. I got that from my dad. Right, I got this love for butter. From you got my that father. right from your dad. My, from my dad. He was like, no margarine, mm-hmm. not in this house, not in our bakery. We use real ingredients. And that was a long butter. time ago, too, yeah. when people thought it was He healthier. took a stand. He took a stand That's against powerful. that. And it was, now you're, you know, <laughs> I know you better, but some people might think you're mocking. But I know you understand. <laughs> I for do. instance, For instance, I do. imagine a <laughs> world without colonialism. I can imagine that. That's right? okay. Okay. Yeah. Imagine a world without butter. No, that's inconceivable. No, whose dad? Whose dad was more right? Yours. Yours was. I mean, and colonialism is just kind of going out. It's just out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Butter. Mm-mm, they Never. tried to shove it out. They no, did. They won't. And it, it's made a a really strong comeback. Yeah. It really has. Yeah. Even though it's uh, yeah, well, not really good for you. We now acknowledge it's at least better for you than the other thing they came up with. The There's margarine. A, it's like it's like if you have <laughs> think of bread. Mm-hmm. Good. Fresh bread right out of the oven, right? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's delicious. Do you eat it if there's no butter in the house? I do not. I do not. <laughs> I go get butter. I go get and I butter. Bring it back to the you house. Need, then I but eat it. bread is nothing more than a butter delivery system. <laughs> That's, exactly That's, all it it is. Is. That's all it yes. is. That's all it is. Yes. So some would add jam as well. It's a butter and jam delivery system. Well, if you want to get fancy. Yeah. And if you I want do. to get fancy. So I think you're right. <clears throat> I think your dad was smarter than Barack Obama's yeah. dad. Uh and and more relevant, frankly. I think so. I think so. You know, it's, you gotta remember, what are you passing on to your kids? A hatred of colonialism or a love of butter? <laughs> <laughs> Which which is more important? I say love over hate every time. Every time. Love over hate. <laughs> love over hate. <laughs> did you see that they're really upset about uh, Donald Trump sitting in Winston Churchill's chair? Yes. He did look arrogant in that chair, but he, he doesn't Don't, have he any He looked other... like Donald Trump. I know. That's, That's the only I, look he Show has. me a picture. It is. You know, resting nasty face. He has, he, he has rust, resting arrogant face. He, he does. always looks arrogant. He does. Did you see him sitting in that chair? How arrogant? No, I, I looked at him I'm like, no, I looked like Donald Trump. And the headline was, how dare you? Since when do you people care about Winston Churchill? You hated him. You hated him before the war. You hated him. Kind of during the war, <laughs> and you really hated him after the right. war. You tossed him out twice. Yeah. Twice you tossed him out of parliament because, oh, I don't know, he had a thing against the Nazis, and you didn't want to hear it. Then during the war, oh, please save us, Winston. Oh, please save us. The minute, I mean, almost to the minute, yeah. the minute the war was over, they voted him out. See ya. It's incredible. And now they're all indignant because Donald Trump sat in his chair. Shut up. Shut up. Don't make us come over there and dog slap you again because we'll do it. We'll do it. You want us to give you something to cry about? We'll give you something we'll to, give cry you something cry about. to cry about. Are you concerned at all? Are you concerned at all that I'm that we're both kind of mad at England today? 
but anxious to see what happens with Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a concern. It, yeah. it could be a concern that uh-huh. we're like that everybody in America, yeah. well, half the country, half the country is. Oh, you, by the way, did you see? Speaking of half of the country, the New York Times. Did you see what the New York Times said about Donald Trump's meeting with uh, NATO? No. Oh, I have to. Where is it? I have it here someplace. Oh, I have to. I have to. I have to read it to you. Exactly. You know what? Let me take a break. I'll come back. I have to read it exactly as written from the New York Times. How was Donald's? How was Donald Trump's trip with NATO? How'd that work out? How do you think the New York Times reported well, that? The way you're setting it up now, I'm thinking maybe in a positive light. <laughs> Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll go to that right. here in a second. First, let me tell you about um, let me tell you about something that's happening on Thursday. If you don't want to be like Pat, you should join us on Thursday night. Wow, that kind of hurts. Well, imagine a world Pat. where I, I wished I would have <laughs> invested at three hundred, yeah. and then five, yes. and then seven fifty. Right? Imagine and a thousand. A, Imagine a world where you wish you would have invested in <laughs> cryptocurrency at fifteen hundred or two thousand yeah. or three or even four thousand <laughs> or five. Five would have been good. Yeah. Six. It takes six. I take money six. on six. Now imagine, imagine if you were working uh, at a place where the guys you were working with said to you every day, "Really, Pat? Really? Real? Seriously? Really, seriously? Buy one. Buy one. Just buy one." Yeah. So uh, if you don't want to be like Pat, you should join us on Thursday because we're having a crypto event. Uh, It's a free Bitcoin and cryptocurrency chalkboard program that I think is uh, really, really invaluable. Tika Tawari is a guy that is consulting with us, and we asked him to do a course online. It has been outrageously successful. So we've decided to have a Q&A session after he teaches a few things on the chalkboard about cryptocurrencies uh and bitcoin in particular i want you to register now it's absolutely free but you have to register go to beckcryptoshow.com that's beckcryptoshow.com this is the only place you're going to be able to find this you'll be joining and watching us on thursday night tika is going to share the names of three cryptocurrencies that he says you absolutely must buy Pat, are you mm-hmm. listening? I am. Okay. Yes, it's three that you have to buy. Yep. Plus, you have a chance to uh, walk away with $2 million, a $2 million crypto giveaway. Go to BeckCryptoShow.com. Don't miss this. It is Thursday. BeckCryptoShow.com. Register now. So here is the editorial from... The New York Times editorial board. This is their editorial. Ready? Trump got from NATO everything Obama ever asked for. (laughs) Wow. Let me quote the New York Times. Now that the smoke is cleared from the NATO summit meeting, the most tangible result is apparent. President Trump advanced President Barack Obama's initiative to keep the allies on track to shoulder a more equitable share of NATO's costs. Mr. Trump even signed on to a tough statement directed at Russia. For once, he saw eye to eye with his predecessor. (laughs) For once, for once, he saw eye to eye. But his predecessor couldn't get it done, could he? 
That's amazing. Uh, it's almost impossible to believe. Are you sure that's not some satirical website claiming to be the New York Times? <laughs> no, it's New York Times. Jeez. Tremendous wow. progress has been made. Everyone agreed mm. to substantially up their commitment. They're going to up it at levels they've never seen before, Trump said. Commitments were made. The commitment was at 2%. Ultimately, that will be going up quite a bit higher than that. Yeah, they didn't exactly agree to four, right? Which is what he was asking. He was asking no. for 4%. Right. And I think they're going to do but three. Or... Their 2% is the deal. Yeah. yeah. You know, I personally just think, all right, well, we'll be at 2%. Just right. why are we doing eight? Why are we doing five? Why are we doing three and a half? It's two. Yeah. They've never paid two. We've never paid less than three and a half. The contract says two. We should pay two. We do the same thing with the UN. We put that whole load too. Well, and that one, I don't. That, I know what we get from NATO. That one, I right. just don't know what we get. Completely worthless. Uh, there was also an interview with uh, Donald Trump, and uh, you know, last week, last week he said some good things, mm-hmm. and I was, I thought maybe, you know, he was. We applauded him for what he said about Putin. You got to take the good with the bad, and or you got to take the bad with the good, and there's. There's been some good. Last week, there was some real good. Uh, Today, this has come out. Listen to this. The Russians who were indicted, would you ask Putin to to send them here? Well, I might. I hadn't thought of that, but certainly I'll be asking about it. (laughs) Maybe you don't volunteer that either. Uh, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. Wait, you hadn't thought of that? Your Justice Department. On Friday, they just indicted these people. On Friday. Did you know that? Uh, strange yeah that's really strange let's keep that in our inside voice. yeah that i hadn't thought of that <laughs> indictment who's been what, in, what is Where, when uh, i didn't know really Again, this was during the obama administration they mm-hmm. were doing whatever it was during the obama administration stop this is confusing to me this is the obama administration this happened during the obama um yes and you found out it about it during your administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, they were doing it then, not now. Yet, yeah, no, they're still doing it. Yeah. They're still doing it. And I heard that they were trying, or people this. were trying Wait. to hack into the RNC, too, the Republican National Committee. Wait. But we had much better defenses. I've been told that by a number of people. We had. He's heard it. He's been told that by a number of people. Wait, wait, wait. Like there, over. there was the barista who told him that. A 7-Eleven clerk said it. Oh, my gosh. I mean, where? <laughs> I love how he just throws he said, this stuff I out. heard. I, I heard. heard. Mr. President. Nobody has access to more information you than you. Can get th- you can get all information. <laughs> I, you know, I heard from CNBC. <laughs> I, I, I heard from the guy who opened my car door the other day that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mr. President, do you get a briefing? Do you? I know you get one. I know you get one. And unlike your predecessor, you attend them. Are you listening? Again, you take the bad with the good. Yes, yes. There, yes. there was some good last Much week. Much better defenses, so they couldn't. I think mm-hmm. the DNC should be ashamed of themselves for allowing themselves to be <laughs> hacked. They had bad defenses, and they were able to be hacked. But I heard they were trying to hack the Republicans, too. But... And this may be wrong, but they had much stronger wait, defenses. Wait, and it may be wrong. Wait, it may be wrong. <laughs> wait, what? Why are you saying it? <laughs> what, what is happening, Mr. President? You have the NSA and the CIA uh, and and the FBI. You've got access. You could call them 
at any time. I can't. You can. I've heard, and it might be wrong. No. Ugh. No. Who's no. your biggest competitor? Your biggest foe globally right now? Well, I think we have a lot of foes. I oh, think boy. the European Union oh, is no. a foe. What oh, they no, do to no. us in trade. No, no, no. no. Now, you wouldn't think of the European Union, but they're a foe. Oh boy. Uh, oh no. You can't, you can't no, call honey. Russia a competitor. And, and the European Union, a uh, foe. No, honey. No. 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 Again, you take no. the bad with the good. <laughs> Let's see what happens today. Because yes. he's with Putin today. And it might be good. Maybe we get out of Syria today. Who knows? Wouldn't that be nice? Who knows? Back in a minute. Glenn Beck. 92% of the world's nuclear weapons are in two countries. 92%. The U.S. and Russia. And as I'm speaking right now, the leaders of both countries are sitting down at a table and trying to figure out how to coexist with one another. Sounds like it's kind of an important thing to do from time to time. The media will, you know, slap fight uh, and slap fight each other to death today in an attempt to turn the Trump-Putin summit partisan. But what's happening in Helsinki today is probably the least partisan thing happening anywhere right now. Like anywhere, like as in the entire planet, there's nothing more important that may be happening. If there was ever a time to not be partisan, this is it. To any Democrat, Republican, any independent, mainstream media, anybody who's looking to turn this into a gotcha political narrative, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously. What is wrong with you? We know who Russia is. We know what Vladimir Putin is. He's a stone-cold killer. Now, the president may be going into this naively. He may not be. He may be going in with, I don't know what his intent is. But I will tell you, I've, out of all the things, and I've thought a lot, out of all the things I've ever thought of Donald Trump, I've never thought he didn't like America. He wasn't rooting for us to win. Now, the last time the U.S. and the Russians sat down for a summit was 2010, eight years ago. And here's a small rundown of how cold our relationship has been since then. Russia still has troops in Georgia after their invasion during Obama's first term. Keep in mind, Georgia was a country considering joining NATO. Not anymore. That invasion was Russia's coming out party. It was a warning to the world that things were about to change and they were just getting started. They then wanted to annex, steal, invade Crimea from Ukraine. They'd also invade, destabilize and wage war in eastern Ukraine. That war is still going on, but rarely does the media talk about it anymore. And then there's the backdrop to that invasion. And silent war. The accusations from the Russians that the United States deliberately encouraged the fall of the Ukrainian president and government. Meanwhile, Russia continues supplying troops and equipment to their side. And we're now providing military training and anti-tank missiles to our side. And Ukraine is just one of the proxy wars currently being fought between the two nuclear powers. Syria is the other. First, you don't fight. Then you argue. Then things get nasty. Then you start to fight proxy wars. We're in two of them. 
the next step, there's only two. You back away and you stop the proxy war or you go to out and out war where you're slapping each other, not through other parties. In April, we admitted to killing nearly 200 Russians in that conflict. So where do we go here? Where do we go? Over the past four years, over 700 Russian citizens and companies have been sanctioned. 35 diplomats have been declared persona non grata. Two Russian diplomat compounds have been closed. One consulate and two diplomatic annexes. Oh, and Russia has ejected over 700 U.S. diplomatic staff. I thought the media didn't have a problem with Russia. I thought the media was always for anything, anything Russia wants to do. Let's just not get into a war with them. Now, not today. Between the cyber attacks and indictments on Russian intelligence personnel, tensions have never been higher. Russia currently maintains an arsenal of 6,600 nuclear weapons. We have 6,450. The next closest nuke holder, France, with 300. China, with 280. It's not even close. Between Washington and Moscow, there are over 13,000 nuclear weapons, and they're pointed at each other. So today, could we, today, stop with a partisan politics? The two toughest kids on the block just sat down for a sit-down. You know what I'm saying? A little sit-down. I think maybe, perhaps, the rest of us in the neighborhood should all be praying for some sort of success. It's Monday, July 16th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, Selena Zito on and Brad Todd. Um, They authored the book, The Great Revolt, Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics. And I learned so much about the, uh, the supporters of Donald Trump that you just don't hear Anywhere, anywhere, for instance, a good number of Trump supporters are what used to be called Reagan Democrats. These are Trump Democrats. These are the people that voted Democrat, voted for Barack Obama and have had enough and are, have left their party to come over and vote for Donald Trump. And they are very vocal supporters. How come we don't hear about that? Why is it just the evil Republicans that you hear of? And a lot of Trump supports coming not from Republicans, but from the people who have never voted, haven't voted since Ross Perot. How come we didn't hear that? Brad Todd joins us now. He's the guy who did all of the research. Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm great, Glenn. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I just wanted to drill down a little bit more into some of the research um, and what you found so you can kind of help us out and set the record straight on on who is the Trump coalition. Sure. Well, we, you know, we conducted our research both quantitatively and qualitatively. We did a survey of, of 2,000 Trump voters in the five Midwestern states that flipped. Uh, geographically stratified to reflect the actual distribution of Trump's vote. 
And then we traveled. You know, Selena, as you know, is famous for uh, taking back roads and living on the road in, in small-town America and industrial America uh, and interviewed hundreds of people, uh, end up with the profiles of about 24 people who we say represent seven archetypes of the Trump, of the Trump coalition. Now, they're not every person in the Trump coalition represented in, in one of those seven archetypes, but most of them are. And some of them are people, like you say, who, who came off the sidelines. We call them the shock troops of American democracy, those voters who only get interested once in a blue moon, but when they do, they radically change the composition of the electorate. Uh, and, you know, that happened for, in Trump's case, both in the Republican nominating process and in the general election. Uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, which has a closed primary, you have to change your registration to participate in either side's, the other side's primary. You had 30,000 voters change their registration to go from Democrat to Republican to go vote in the Republican primary. Well, Donald Trump ends up only winning Pennsylvania by 70-something thousand voters in the general. So presumably, most of that 30,000 group of voters who were coming in to help him in the primary stuck with him in the general. Uh, you know, these things make real, real differences numerically. Uh, you, you also, you know, find in the book, if you pick up the book for the Great Revolt, you'll see some people who, one woman who didn't register to vote until she was 70. Trump was the first candidate for president she's ever voted for. Uh, didn't mean she didn't care about national affairs. It's just she didn't think that anyone was different enough to make a difference uh, in politics. And that that element is often lost of this voter that Trump brought in. Uh, who, And by the way, those voters are, are among the least ideological of Trump's coalition. The least conservative. They're the least. They're the most secular in Trump's coalition. They're they're people who saw in him something uh, that was different from most people in politics. And you know, I read media accounts all the time, Glenn, of editorials who say, "Oh, we need more people to vote. We need higher participation in elections." Well, in 2016, you got it. What percentage of Trump voters is that? I think it's about six, uh, based on our look at the data. Uh, five, somewhere in the, that's a little bit, you know, obviously we can't be quite that precise, but somewhere in the five to seven percent range. Uh, but that's pretty, that's a pretty large, large portion of an electorate, uh, in election where, where, where Donald Trump only wins, uh, you know, those states in the Midwest by just a handful of votes. You know, Michigan flips and Wisconsin flips with 10,000 votes. Pennsylvania flips with 70,000 votes. So, so five percent's a pretty, perhaps five to seven percent's a pretty big number. Um, you said that this this new populism, if you will, is actually a uh, movement against bigness. What does that mean? Yes. Well, you know, um, there was a time in American politics when populism meant you were against Wall Street and big economic powers. That's the way we've understood populism, both in the 1800s and again and again in the 20s. That's different now because government now is just as large a threat to people's everyday lives. Uh, as the big economic powers are. In fact, big tech, the tech industry and that has so many, so much of our information that, that sells it, doesn't tell us how it's selling it, doesn't tell us how it's monetizing, what it knows about us. Uh, the tech industry is, is also a threat. The media, which has become so homogenous at the mainstream level, and you, know, you can't find a newsroom that's ideologically diverse in America mm-hmm. uh, anymore. And so, there, therefore, today, the proper understanding of populism in today's culture uh, it's not just a skepticism of big corporations. And by the way, Trump's voters were skeptical of big corporations. Three-fourths of them say that big corporations don't care about their what happens to the little guy when they make their decisions. That's a pretty high skepticism for the free market party. But you also have big populism also. I mean, populism also incorporates 
skepticism of big government, big tech, big entertainment, big media. And that's why the coalitions have shifted. When populism was only a skepticism of large corporations, it fit well within the Democratic coalition, especially when that coalition was dedicated to economic equality ostensibly. Uh, the politics of Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman, sort of the, the New Deal, Fair Deal Democratic Party, where it's very focused on economics and very focused on the working class. Today's Democratic Party is not focused on economic equality at all. It's all about cultural, multi, multicultural militancy. And so that leaves little room for populism's basis, which is the look out for the little guy against the big guy. But it's also now incompatible with the Democratic uh, sort of mm-hmm. homage to big government, big media, big entertainment, big tech. So th- those are all Democratic constituencies. So, uh, so you can't quite be a populist and sit there. I, uh, I, I just uh, wrote a new book that's coming out in uh, September um, called uh, Addicted to Outrage. And in it, I, I talk about multiculturalism, that everybody's being called a racist today. And it's not racism. It's multiculturalism. We don't have a problem with different races uh, as much as we do. I mean, I can't say that, you know, we don't the, the, there's no one in America that's racist. Of course, that's not true. Uh, but that's not the overwhelming problem. The The real problem is this multiculturalism where we are dividing and dividing and dividing into into all of these little groups. And a lot of them, um, by dividing us like this, means we're losing the American culture. And once you say that, then you're called a racist again. Is this what well, you found? And it also goes to, uh, there, there's, some, there's something to that. It also goes to the thought police notion. You know, the notion that, that the Democrats now believe that free speech and, and freedom of religion are counter to uh, their agenda. Uh, not, then I say not all. But we, we lose you? Hello? Whoa, that was weird. Oh, my gosh. It's AI. It's taken over. We thought we were talking to Brad Todd. We're not. We were talking to somebody in big tech, an AI in big tech. That's clearly what happened. Either that or there was some sort of glitch. If he doesn't call back, we're going to take a break. If he doesn't call back, it's Mark Zuckerberg behind the whole thing. So there you go. You got that. Uh, we'll, we'll get back with uh, Brad uh, here in uh, just a second. W- what are Americans thinking today? And uh, I'd love to see if he did any research at all on how Americans relate to Vladimir Putin as President Trump is with Putin at this hour. All right, let me tell you about Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a detail-oriented company. I mean, this is an alarm system that is really, really I mean, it really is just off the shelf so much better than all of the other alarm systems that you can get with with any kind of added gadget. For instance, here's an added gadget. I I want a glass break sensor, meaning if somebody breaks a window, the alarm goes off. Now, this is a sound thing. This isn't opening the window. This is breaking a window. Well, the problem with everybody's uh, uh, glass break sensors is they get fooled a false positive because you drop a plate, you drop a glass in the kitchen. Uh, you know, even a baby crying fools most of them. Simply Safe didn't settle for the typical. What they did is they constructed a glass break test facility that ran over 10,000 live glass break simulations. 
that refined their detection technology uh, until it was absolutely accurate and it could distinguish between, uh, you know, somebody dropping a glass in the kitchen and breaking a window. This is the kind of level that takes them to a, just just to the highest possible quality. And you're not going to believe the price. I want you to check it out for yourself. You own this system. And the, the monitoring is only 15 bucks a month. And there's no contracts. There's no strings. There's no wires. It's simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Get 10% off the system at simplysafebeck.com. Talking to Brad Todd, he is the uh, co-author of the book The Great Revolt, The uh, Populist Coalition Reshaping American Politics. He says, surprisingly, I'm being sarcastic there, uh, that uh, that uh, we the, the Trump coalition is not who the mainstream media wants you to believe they are. Uh, welcome back to the program, Brad. Uh, Brad, yeah, I, thanks, Glenn. My my perception of what's gone on the last two years is that Republicans and Democrats have just switched places. Republicans who were always leery uh, and nervous about uh, Putin and Russia are now completely fine because <clears throat> it seems that their perception is Trump is fine with them. Whereas Democrats who continually said, "Yeah, he's not a threat. That's old school." The 80s called and wants their policy back. They're they're now out of their minds, afraid of Putin, and and they think we should. I mean, is that an accurate portrayal of what's happened? Is it just the R and the D that matter and no principles anymore? No, you know what I think it is. Is I think it's differing perceptions of Trump and different trust levels of Trump. Uh, there there are a lot of Republicans who think that Trump is just such such an America firster. You know, Trump resists almost all multilateral alliances, and so therefore. They then give him plenty of rope to interact on the world stage uh, and sort of what they would perceive as negotiate, take, you know, sort of move it, move our posture uh, for purposes of getting something better. I think that meanwhile, Democrats wouldn't trust Trump, Trump to make a peanut butter sandwich. And so therefore, mm-hmm. you know, they, they much less negotiate with another world leader. And so I think it's really not really changed perceptions of Russia. Uh, most Republicans, most conservatives, most populists I've talked to still believe that you know Vladimir Putin's a KGB bully. Uh, you know he's a he's, he's, he's a ruthless guy who doesn't have America's interest at heart. Um, and I think Republican voters will cheer hardline policies on Russia, but I think that they also will will give President Trump you know an ample amount of rope uh, to to maneuver. How much, Brad? How much of I explained this on Friday as uh, the way the O.J. Simpson trial went down. Uh, me as a white man, I didn't understand the frustration of of fair trials or the system just so corrupt. I didn't understand that. And so when I saw, you know, African-Americans celebrating his release, I, I couldn't understand it at all. Now they're saying, you know, African-Americans, you've pulled them now. And they're like, oh, yeah, O.J. Simpson, absolutely guilty. But they... They were not rooting for him. They were rooting for anybody to beat the system. Is that true? Does that play a role into the Trump voter now? There is no question about it. You know, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of Trump voters voted for uh, President Obama. In our survey of Trump voters in the five Rust Belt states in the Great Revolt, uh, 21% of the Trump voters in those Rust Belt, five Rust Belt states voted for Obama, and 9% voted for wow. him twice. Uh, so, wow. uh, it's this, and by the way, he couldn't win without it. 
Uh, you go look at Barack Obama's margins in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. There were more than enough Obama voters there for Hillary to win and win with ease, but she couldn't keep the Obama coalition together. So are they uh, are, are those people concerned about the Democrats taking such a hard left or they did they just like Donald Trump? Well, there's a little bit of both things there. I mean, they they tip that. The, the, the part they liked about Donald Trump is that he wasn't much of a Republican. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are voters who've long resisted Republicans, even though that Republicans agree with him more on religiosity, on the issues of life, on the issues of guns. Uh, they, they have they've sort of agreed with Republicans on a lot of hot button issues for years, but they've resisted becoming Republicans. Yeah. And the, we threw out our interviews in the book. You listen to people, they say, oh, the Republicans are the country club party. They're the people for the rich. They're the insiders. Yeah. Trump wasn't the insider. The name of the book is The Great Revolt. Brad Todd, thanks. From the Huffington Post, their Twitter account, a tape might exist. Again, this is the Huffington Post. A tape might exist of Trump doing something in an elevator. Though exactly where that somewhere is and what that something might be, no one in the media can say. Could he have been just pressing some I'm, of the buttons I'm, on? I'm, on the... No, I'm doing breaking news here. Okay. I mean, let's not. All right. I don't. Okay. Where that somewhere is and what that something might be, no one in the media can say. That's because no one in the media seems to have seen this tape or even is confident that it exists. <laughs> End quote. What a powerful report that is. That is. Can I tell you something? Mm. Let's, I mean. That's journalism. At let's, its finest. It is. Let's, uh, the who. Mm-hmm. Trump. Yes. The what? Elevator. The where? It, we're elevator again? Uh, the <laughs> why? Because he's Trump? The how? Because he's Trump? Yeah. Hello, that's all he needs. The who, what, why, when, and how, they're all taken they're care all of. There. They're all there. Brilliant In, journalism. Brilliant. Can you look? listen to that? Let me read that again. <laughs> A tape... This is journalism. A tape might exist of Trump doing something in an elevator, though exactly where that somewhere is and what that something might be. No one in media can say that's because no one in the media seems to have seen the tape or is even confident it exists. But we're reporting on it anyway. That's wow. Isn't that a rumor? It's worse than a rumor, isn't it? Yes. Look rumor up. Marissa, can you just, just Google rumor? See what, uh, help me out on what a rumor is. That may be lower than a rumor. We, all we know in here is that somebody said something about Trump in an elevator. And, we, and we, could probably ver- we could probably verify that. There's probably photographic evidence of Trump in an elevator or going into an elevator. So it's not complete rumor. We know he's been in, a, in an elevator before. Rumor. A currently circulating story or report of uncertain or doubtful truth. Yep, that's a rumor. 
that's despicable. Now let me let me just let me just play compare and contrast here for a second. Do you remember the media uh, and what they did with the picture of President Obama and Louis Farrakhan? What they did with it? Yeah, do you remember that? I, I don't remember. Oh, you don't? No, do you remember so. the picture? The, remember the picture? That they came? were in the same room or something. Yeah, and they were. Yeah, yeah they were uh, talking to each other. You remember that picture? Mm, I don't. You don't. I don't. You really don't? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. That's because they hid it until he left the uh, the Oval Office. Oh, that's you right. Remember? And then it came out. And then it, it came yes. out. Yeah. They right. hid it. Mm-hmm. They knew about it, and they hid it. Same thing. What about the L.A. Times story on what Obama said about? Um, yes, who was yes. you know the terrorist? Yes, the Palestinian yes. Liberation Organization guy. Yes, at a speech, and they had the tape, and they would not, and still would to not. this day have not released it. Yep. So there's two things that the media knew about and hid. Let me let me wow. let me go here. We were called a conspiracy theorist because we told you about what we called, what Sarah Palin called death panels. We called it by name, the complete lives system. We were called conspiracy theorists for reporting on something that had come from the White House and we had documented proof of that was a conspiracy. But the Huffington Post saying there's a tape somewhere maybe of, maybe of trump doing something in an elevator perhaps we don't know where it, but it's it's probably pretty juicy but that could be total nonsense because no one has ever seen it no one can even verify that it exists oh my gosh and they wonder they wonder why we don't trust them <laughs> Remember, remember when we spoke the facts that you're not going to be able to keep your doctor under Obamacare? Yeah. Oh, that was conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. A fact. If you like your doctor, you can keep it. Keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep it. No, you're not going to no. be able to. That's a fact. And we all know that. In fact, they called it the biggest lie of uh, the Obama administration. It, it, it was a verifiable lie. Just as the complete lies, uh, live, uh, live system is. It's a verifiable lie. And they didn't cover that. I mean, I'm. I'm uh, are we just foolish for even talking about it? <laughs> well, it's hard not to. <laughs> Isn't it? It's hard not to show. And we've, got, we've been frustrated with this before because of the, the double standard that exists. And we hate to go there all the time, but how can you not? By the way, I tweeted this story last night. I would love for you to retweet it. Go and retweet it because I, 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 I added Brian Stelter uh, to it at CNN. Because, you know, he just can't figure out why the media is. So I've been, if you follow me on Twitter, um, please, if you see at Brian Stelter, make sure, make sure that you retweet that. Uh, because I, I'd really like him to at least recognize from time to time. Just recognize. How are you going to answer that one, Brian? 
You say you don't understand Mm -hmm. what the media is doing, and yet you do it every day. You and your cohorts cohorts do it every day, and you claim it doesn't happen. So I'm just chronicling, oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Was it Stelter last week that brought out the conspiracy guy? Uh, No. No. It was somebody else. Uh, the skins. Yeah, that was uh, that was MSNBC. That uh, oh, okay, that was Chris yes, Hayes. Right, Chris Hayes. That's yeah. right. But again, but again, there's they didn't. One. Say, there's no outcry on that. And then and then Chris and, Hayes. And what was that story? Hang on. What was that story? Because that was uh, that was the New Yorker. No, the New York Magazine. Yeah. Saying this probably didn't happen. But but it's, what if Donald Trump was a sleeper cell? That has just been activated by Russia. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, it, it would is. be bad, right? That it would, be, would bad. be bad. It would be just as bad as if, let's say, Jeez. somebody was a handler for Barack Obama. And Barack Obama had been surrounded by Marxists his whole life. And suddenly he gets all kinds of, of uh, uh, special opportunities that you know may not have been afforded to other people but you couldn't ever find any record of it because all of his files from occidental and everywhere else just mysteriously were either disappeared or were sealed you can see how that conspiracy theory started can't you but that was a conspiracy theory we all know that that was ridiculous but here's the new york magazine saying we know this probably isn't true but what if it were that's incredible i mean that's like that's you know it's that kind of thinking that gets us to spend even more money as a country yes we're 20 trillion dollars in debt but what if we weren't (laughs) (laughs) but we are i love this um uh what's her name um Oh, I can never remember her name. The 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 new, you know, socialist force. Oh yeah, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so she tweeted. She tweeted last night. She said, "When I call a congressional candidate progressive, it's because they meet all of these standards: one, no corporate welfare; two, Medicare for all." That's universal health care tuition, debt free college and trade school, criminal justice reform, Green New Deal. What does that mean? Uh, Green New Deal. uh, That is. uh, Wow. A new deal. But just on based on the environment. Environment. Yep. Common sense. Have you seen the proposals in that? Because Uh, that's got to be astounding. Yeah. I I read it a couple of weeks ago from her. The the outline of it. It's pretty intense. Uh, common sense gun reform, equal rights for all, a federal jobs guarantee program, and mm. expand federal student loan forgiveness. Oh, and one more, abolish ICE. So let's just go through the ones that are going to cost mm. us money. Uh, expand uh, federal loan, uh, student loan forgiveness, a federal job guarantee, which means anyone who wants a job can get a job guaranteed with the government. A Green New Deal, tuition and debt-free college and trade school, free universal health care with uh, Medicare for all, 
What does that cost us? Now, if you were somebody who says, you know what, we just we're the richest country in the world. No, we're not. No, we're not the richest country in the world. We are the biggest debtor in the history of the world. That's what we are. We are $20 trillion in debt that we've already spent. $20 trillion gone. We have in unfunded liabilities another 150 or $200 trillion that we're just hoping we're going to figure out how we're going to pay for that when it comes time to pay for that. So we are $20 trillion already spent and gone, and we are about $200 trillion yet to come. May I ask, how do you pay for all of these things? Because math and reason have to be employed. So if you're going to say, well, I want these things, but we don't want, we're going to reduce the military. Okay, then just say that. Show me the numbers. You want all of these things. That's cool. Show me the numbers. How does that work out? Now, why is that a hostile question? That is an honest question. If you can show me how you're going to pay for all of these things, I'd like to hear it. I really would. I think a lot of Americans would. And you know what? Some Americans will be for that. Some Americans that aren't for it right now, some will say, oh, well, I didn't know that's a reasonable plan. I think we could get that done. If that's your plan, express it. Tell us, how are you going to afford it? But that's probably racist to even ask that. The media won't answer that question. Now, if... A candidate says, I want to cut taxes. The media is going to tell you exactly how much that tax cut is going to cost America. No, it doesn't cost you anything. You just don't collect the money, which means you have to spend less. So they will tell you relentlessly how much that will cost you, but they won't talk about people who are democratic socialists who are saying i want to spend this and continue to tell people that's unreasonable that's unreasonable there's no money here we're already 20 trillion dollars in debt they won't do that well there's probably a good reason though i mean there's only so much space on the internet you know it's like money. There's only a certain amount of money, and beyond that, there's no more money. It's like that with the Internet. There's just no more space. And when you're running stories like, you know, important things, like there's possibly, maybe, probably not a tape of Donald Trump doing something we don't know what in an elevator somewhere we don't know where, and we'd like to run it, but we don't have it, nor do any other journalist have it. In fact, nobody can even verify that tape exists. You, you, you know, you, when you're running stuff like that, you know, important things like deficit and debt control, you know, kind of fall away to the wayside. Bill Browder, uh, he's the guy, you know, the Magnitsky Act. That is the uh, that's the adoption thing. 
that was imposed on Vladimir Putin that was started because of Bill Broward's partner. And Bill Broward uh, is the guy who actually got that act in place because his partner Magnitsky had been killed by Vladimir Putin. You want to know who Vladimir Putin is? We have Bill Browder on with us at the top of the hour. All right, let me tell you about uh, cybersecurity here. As people improve the cybersecurity on their uh, computers, thieves are turning back to stealing from mailboxes. Recent reports reveal a rise in mail phishing, where thieves use things like, you know, sticky rat traps tied to strings to pull envelopes out of government mailboxes. Thieves have been snagging gift cards and documents with personal information like social security numbers. There's nothing sacred anymore. There are so many threats you cannot keep up with all of them. That's why the new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to protect you and all of your information. You need this. Go to LifeLock.com now. Use the promo code BECK. LifeLock.com promo code BECK or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Save 10% or LifeLock.com promo code BECK. You want to know who Vladimir Putin is? The guy whose business partner was assassinated by Vladimir Putin. Who knows who he is? Next. Glenn Beck. It's Monday, July 16th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Right now, the president is meeting on the other side of the planet with Vladimir Putin. People think they know who Vladimir Putin is. There's one guy who actually knows who he is. He's been the number one enemy of Vladimir Putin for the last 10 years. In fact, it's because of him that Russia and Putin's people were meeting in the Trump Tower with Donald Trump before the election. It's because of him there is such a thing called the Magnitsky Act. His name is uh, Bill Browder, and he wrote a letter to the president, and it is the cover of the New York Times right now. Bill is on the phone with us uh, to kind of go over some advice for the president. Bill, how are you, sir? I'm doing really well. How are you? What is it like to be the number one enemy of arguably the most dangerous man on the planet? Um, well, I think there, there are probably better things to be than that, but um, <laughs> this, wasn't a, this wasn't something that I chose. That um, uh, you know, that this was something that that uh, that happened because of what Putin did. Um, Putin. Uh, the reason that I'm, I'm an enemy of Vladimir Putin is that um, he and his cronies killed one of my colleagues and friends, a young man named Sergei Magnitsky, who was a lawyer working for me in Russia. After Sergei uncovered a massive government corruption scheme and thought as a patriot he would expose it instead putin's henchmen arrested him tortured him for 358 days and killed him uh, eight and a half years ago and i've been on a mission to get justice for sergey which has led to as you mentioned the magnitsky act which imposes asset freezes and visa sanctions on putin and his cronies for a variety of crimes including killing sergey And because Putin is a kleptocrat, he's a guy who steals money from his people in large quantities, um, and he keeps that money in the West, um, he feels completely exposed by this piece of legislation. And in in response to that, he's tried to have the legislation repealed, as you mentioned, having sending his emissaries to Trump Tower 
and also trying to um, destroy me and all the people around me. And uh, most recently, um, he tried to use Interpol to arrest me in Madrid. I was arrested for a brief period of time on a Russian Interpol arrest warrant about a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. Putin's playing for keeps. He's a cold-blooded killer. He's a dangerous man. And uh, I'm very um, worried about uh, any of these attempts to somehow placate him or appease him that are taking place with with the president right now in Helsinki. One more personal question, then I want to go to Helsinki. Why are you still alive? Well, um, uh, Putin is a killer. He kills uh, at home. He kills abroad. Um, uh, The one thing he doesn't like to do is face consequences for his crimes. And he hasn't figured out a way of killing me and doing it in a way that he can get away with. And so what they've tried to do instead of killing me abroad is having me arrested, taken back to Russia, and killing me in Russia, where he has full ability to get away with that. And so they've ma- they're, they're now on their seventh abusive attempt to use Interpol to have me arrested. I live in England, and they've, had, they've tried, to, tried a dozen times in various different ways to apply to the British police for mutual legal assistance. Um, they're suing me all over the world. They're trying to do everything they can to get me back to Russia, to discredit me, to have me extradited, to impoverish me, to do whatever they can to destroy me um, so that they can destroy me in a way that's plausibly deniable and doesn't put them in further sanctions or other political consequences. Bill, you wrote a you wrote an open letter to the president and you said there are a few things you need to know about Putin. And I'd like to just go over them uh, with you. First, Putin has a weak hand and is always bluffing. Yeah, so so let's talk about that. So what do we have here? What is Russia? Russia is a country with an economy the size of the state of New York. Russia is a country wow. with a military budget, which is 90 percent less than the U.S. military budget. And that's assuming that whatever is in their military budget isn't being stolen. And I would bet that 80 percent of the military budget is being stolen. Russia is a country which, which is just a minnow in the world. It's not a serious player in any any way, shape or form. And to, to put to, to, so, so for us to be meeting with Putin on an equal level um, is just absurd. It doesn't make any sense. This is, he's a pipsqueak in comparison with, uh, with the United States. And so he's bluffing like hell. He's got this pair of twos, and the United States is a full house. And for, for anyone to, to sort of um, uh, put them on an equal stage gives him an enormous amount of credibility, which he doesn't deserve. Um, Putin is a bald-faced liar. So, um, so yeah, so Putin, um, as we've seen, and, and this is not me making this assessment. This is just, uh, this is, his, his lies are legendary. Um, remember when he invaded Crimea, and he said, no, these weren't our troops, they were little green men. When he mm-hmm. shot down MH17, he said, no, it wasn't our missiles, it was the Ukrainians' missiles. Um, when he cheated in the Olympics with, with doping. No, 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 nobody cheated, even though there's like absolute documentary evidence of it. Um, everything, he, he said, we're going to get rid of chemical weapons in Syria. They've not done anything about chemical weapons in Syria. Putin lies, lies, and then lies some more. You, and you, anything he says is a lie. You said in your op-ed in, in Time, this open letter to President uh, Trump saying, please, you have to keep in mind a few things. You said something that really connected with me. President George W. Bush famously looked into Putin in the eye, saw his soul. 
Uh, last year, I had lunch with President Bush and asked him about it. In short, he said each of their dozen following meetings and conversations were disastrous. 2009, President Obama tried to clean up the situation by offering Russia a reset. That emboldened Putin even further. Now, Putin uh, is meeting with uh, President Trump. You say his views compromise, Putin's uh, views compromise uh, and uh, an engagement as a weakness. So, so, so what, 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 yeah, so Putin, so any, every time you get a U.S. president, um, they, they all think, well, I'm, I'm the leader of the free world. I'm, I, I, look how great I am. I can go and tame Vladimir Putin. And so Putin goes, goes and meets with these people and gives them some sense that he can be tamed. And they feel like, wow, I'm so good and I'm so powerful. I'm, I'm going to tame this man. And then they come back with these experiences like what, what happened with George W. Bush and what happened with Barack Obama. And, and the same thing is going to happen with Trump. If he thinks that he, he, if he has any capacity to tame, to negotiate and to, to come to any kind of terms with Vladimir Putin, he's sorely mistaken. Vladimir Putin will take whatever he's given in a negotiation, and that will be the starting point for the next negotiation. And these relationships never end up well. And there's one simple reason why they don't, which is because Putin can't afford to be friends with the United States. His whole, his whole spiel with the Russian people is to say, um, look at all the, you know, even though we have trouble in our own country, even though the economy stinks, even though there's nothing good happening here, we've got to all band together to fight against these foreign enemies. And America is our biggest foreign enemy. He has to say that, otherwise people are going to turn their attention to him. And so whatever Putin uh, says or doesn't say, and, and he will lie, of course, in that meeting, he has no, he has no um, intention of honoring whatever he might have agreed to. And that's been his pattern for, for, for 18 years. And for people to ignore that, or for anybody to ignore that, for, for President Trump to ignore that, he's doing it at his own peril. Uh, Putin has said this morning that the Cold War is a thing of the past. But he has also said it was the biggest mistake um, uh, of the 20th century, the, the way it ended with the collapse of the former Soviet Union. What is it that do you think that Donald Trump gets any of what you've just said and and understands? He called him a competitor last week, which I kind of liked because I don't want to call people enemies, even though I believe he is an enemy. There's no reason to use that language until, you know. Well, I was going to say until it's official, but I guess it is official. Um, is there is there do you think that Donald Trump gets this at all on who he is? Well, it, it, the, the whole policy Russian, the, 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 the Trump Russia policy is confusing. On one hand, Trump makes these ridiculous statements saying that Putin is not a killer. Um, I want to get along with him. He's a nice guy. And on the other hand, um, Trump has has an administration full of totally clear eyed people right. who understand Russia better than anybody. Um, and Pompeo, the Secretary of State, um, Jim Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, Nikki Haley, the U.S. Ambassador in the United Nations, um, uh, uh, John Bolton, these are all people who understand exactly who Putin is and are tough as hell on Putin. And, and, and I've seen it in, with my own eyes, and I'm very uh, conscious of this, that they've taken steps to, to, that are more tough on Russia than anything I've seen in a long, long time in particular, when they went after Putin's oligarchs um, uh, in April, and they sanctioned seven of the richest oligarchs in Russia. And that, they, they weren't just sanctioning Putin. I mean, they weren't just sanctioning the oligarchs. They were sanctioning Putin himself because he so, his money with some of So what, what do you think Trump is doing? 
Well, either he has some, some strange um, negotiating strategy, which doesn't make any sense to me, or, or it's, it's all a, a big discombobulated um, mess in, in terms of his Russia policy. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It's very schizophrenic. On one hand, I applaud it, um, which is the actual implementation of the policy. Yeah. On the other hand, I abhor it when he says that Putin is, is not a killer. I know for a fact that Putin is a killer. Um, and so uh, you, you actually compare him to Pablo Escobar. Yes, he's 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 an organized criminal on massive proportions. The only difference between Putin and Escobar is that Putin has got nuclear weapons. He's a gangster, a mafia gangster with nuclear weapons. So what do you what do you hope can come out of this? What do you is there anything that 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 could happen today that you would say, okay, well, that was okay. Well, if Trump um, uh, gets tough on Putin and says that, you know, you should withdraw from Ukraine, you should you should um, not bomb any uh, innocent women and children in Syria, um, that you will be eviscerated if you get involved in any kind of political meddling in the United States or, or our allied countries. Um, if you continue to um, uh, assassinate people using chemical weapons in our allied countries then we're going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. If he doesn't say that, then, then all this stuff is just completely empowering Putin to do. Yeah. The, to do I don't see, I don't see any of that happening. I see maybe Syria. I think he would like to wrap up Syria, but I don't think he cares about Ukraine. Unfortunately, um, he was just over in England, but uh, oh, that was a little dicey. Uh, and I can't imagine him saying that, you know, NATO is going to get tough on him. Uh, if, uh, you know, if he doesn't stop killing people in, in NATO countries. Um, but do you? I mean, do you see it? So, 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 so what, what I see is that, that um, there's effectively no upside to this summit. It shouldn't have happened. Um, there's only downside, um, um, you know, waiting with bated breath to see what the any public announcements are to see, you know, to, to see how much damage is done and what, how, how that damage can be mitigated. Um, it's this it's it's dealing with Vladimir Putin is like dealing with a mafia gangster. And and that's not the, the tone that this summit has been approached so far by by President Trump. How does how does Russia's uh, Putin's Russia end? do you think? Well, Putin is going to stay in place for as long as he can. There, there's there's not going to be he's not going to retire to the Putin presidential library. Yeah. speeches. No, that's not going to happen. Um, what, uh, he he has to stay in place because all of his money will be taken away. He'll probably go to jail and, and could even have worse things happen to him if he's no longer in power. And so he's going to stay in power until the very bitter end. And, you know, I, I, I say that the, the, the best uh, comparable is what I call the Mugabe scenario. Mugabe was the president of, of Zimbabwe for, for like 30 years. And he just... Um, uh, stayed and stayed and stayed and, and create, created more and more nationalism and more and more of a mess until the, the currency became worthless mm-hmm. and the economy is and, and and that's that's Putin's only only play here and that's what he's going to do and the worse the economy gets the more angry and nationalistic he gets and the more trouble he's going to cause in the rest of the world and this is an absolute villainous character that needs to be contained and anybody who knows him including some very very good people in the Trump administration totally agree with me on this. Bill, I uh, I wish you the best, and I I uh, pray for you and your uh, and your family that you stay safe. Um, I don't know how I don't know how or why you would travel over to Europe and leave the safety of the United States, but uh, 
Uh, we wish you all the best. And thanks for being on uh, the program. And, and thank you for being brave enough to stand up. Uh, I mean, was there, was there, are you married, Bill? Uh, I am. I don't like to talk about my family. No, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I just, I just wanted to know, did you, was there ever a time that you and your wife or that you just thought, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, you put up, the stakes are really high and people don't do what you've done. Well, um, uh, what, what Putin and his cronies did to Sergei Magnitsky, my lawyer, they killed him as, as my proxy. He basically would be alive today if he hadn't been working for me. And they killed him as my proxy. And, it's, and he stood up for me and it's my duty to stand up for him. And I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do that. Wow. So I, w- I will continue to fight Putin um, until the bitter end and, um, and continue to call for justice for the murder of Sergei Magnitsky and many other people. Um, and, and I'm not going to back down. You are a very rare man. Uh, and it is a uh, privilege to talk to you, Bill. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. Wow. Keep him and his family in prayer. Holy cow. Would you do that, Pat? Think you'd have the guts? I don't know. I mean, that's... You never know until you're there. Until you're there. Uh, I don't know. terrifying. He's uh, he's also painted kind of a bleak picture of what can come of this summit. Yeah. Pretty much believes nothing will. Nothing good. Well... Let's let's watch. Yeah, we'll and, see. Uh, and uh, keep our fingers crossed. Okay, let me tell you about Thursday night. Thursday night is going to be a game-changing night for Pat Gray. Pat said to me earlier this morning, we were off the air, and he said, "I'm going to be I'm going to be here for the for the for the conference." There's a uh, there's a teleconference going on or a, a video. Uh, it's a program. It's a show. I don't know what you even call them. <laughs> it's on uh, it's on the Internet. It is Kinda like uh, a seminar. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's uh, beckcryptoshow.com. Uh, we have Tika Tawari, who is a really good advisor, used to be a hedge fund guy. He's probably made more people millionaires on cryptocurrency than anybody else in the world. Um and he watches it and says, now is the time to get in. So we've decided to do it's absolutely free. You don't have to pay anything. Beckcryptoshow.com. Uh, but you do have to register to be able to watch the show on Thursday. It's live at, I think it's 8 o'clock. Beckcryptoshow.com. Now, Pat said, I want to know the three cryptocurrencies. And you've tried to get it out I've of tried. Me. I, do you actually not know them? I, I actually do not know them. I don't know them. I don't know if I believe uh, that. No, okay. I really don't. I don't know them. <laughs> but so, we're going to find out Thursday yeah, night. He says, A, I bet you one of them is still Bitcoin. Maybe. I'm maybe thinking that's a too, fourth. because he said there's things going on behind the scenes with Bitcoin. That I do know about. It's pretty impressive. That could propel it to a new high. Yeah. When you understand that technology, that's mm-hmm. that could do it. Um, uh, but he's got three of them, and he says now is the time to invest. He's a guy who knows. He learned his lesson back on the tech bubble. He pulled some of his money out of the tech bubble at the time and didn't go well for him uh, because he mm. panicked. And he said, I learned my lesson. If you believe in the technology, stay in. And the smartcryptocourse.com uh, will uh, uh, will help you all the way through that. That's smartcryptocourse.com. That's how you can watch the course that he's put together. The show is Thursday, and you don't want to miss it. Please register right now at BeckCryptoShow.com. That's BeckCryptoShow.com.
Boy, there's a there's a there's an amazing thing going on. Can can you have a a decent conversation with people anymore? Can mm. you just ask honest questions? No. I try to, and I try to frame them as honest questions. When I when I write anything online, I, I really try to frame it as an honest question. Uh, so um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, <clears throat> uh, you have to meet all of these standards to be a, called a progressive in my world. Uh, no corporate bailouts, Medicare for all, tuition and debt-free college, plus trade school, uh, a Green New Deal, uh, a federal jobs guarantee, which means if you want a job, the guarantee the government will guarantee one and expand federal student loan forgiveness. So I wrote now, does this sound hostile? Plus student loan forgiveness, guaranteed government jobs for all. Um, Ocasio uh, 2018, you say that the U.S. is rich, but are you rich if you're just living on maxed out credit cards? How would you pay for this and not further enslave future generations? No gotcha. Just want to hear the plan. Oh, my. No, you can't. No, you can't ask that question. No. Her supporters uh, made it very clear on who I was and uh, accused me of all kinds of things, which, huh, that's... That if you use a baloney detection kit, that smells like baloney. Like you don't actually have a plan. Can someone share it? I'd like to hear it. Glenn, back. So Alexandria Casio Cortez, who I, I actually uh, have been supportive of, not of any of her policies, uh, but you know the press was tearing her. I'm sorry, the the right was tearing her apart. And I said, at least she's saying what she believes. At least she's coming out and saying that she's a socialist. I much prefer that than to people, you know, that uh, claim, oh, no, 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 no. How dare you? You're using socialist. That's racist to call me a socialist. No, it's not. Mm. It's political ideology. I do like that she admits it. I do, too. She's still agonizing. Oh, but she's I like that she she's very it. agonizing. But mm-hmm. I would love to have a conversation mm-hmm. just like Bernie Sanders. I would have a very respectful conversation with Bernie Sanders. Well, maybe until uh, the Clinton thing, because I think he sold out his principles there at the end. But For sure. mm-hmm. um, I, I would like to have a conversation with her. She seems intelligent. She seems uh, smart. Uh, she seems like she, you know, is one with the people. Great. I'd love to hear it. Now, she tweeted that we need uh, no, no corporate welfare, I agree with, Medicare for all, no, tuition, debt-free college and trade school, uh, wow, no, uh, a Green New Deal, absolutely no. not, a federal jobs guarantee, if you want a job, the guarantee is coming from the government that they will give you one, absolutely not, uh, expand federal student loan forgiveness, no. Okay, so <laughs> all of these things, this is trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wrote, um, you know, you say that the U.S. is rich because this is her, her deal. You know, we're the richest country in the world. We're not. We're actually not. No, we're not. We're living on maxed out credit cards. Now, if we didn't have debt or we had a healthy amount of debt, but we don't have a healthy amount of debt. We're, we're adding a trillion dollars a year. Social Security in 2022. This is last call, guys. 2022, we are out of money for Social Security. When that happens, it's $2 trillion of debt added each year. 
that's just a few is years that, away. Is that a lot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. So hmm. I said, so how are you going to pay for this and not further enslave future generations? No gotchas. I just want to hear the plan. So that was my that was my evil question. Um, hey, Glenn, why don't you worry about making your website's payroll? How's your jet doing? It's actually doing fine. Um, uh, this one. Uh, uh, hey, uh, Glenn. Um, uh, we should sell the military. No, no, I don't think that's what? a good idea. <laughs> Do you ask the same question about endless war? Yes, I've actually been uh-huh. I've been very clear on this one uh, since I don't know since George Bush was in office. Isn't it fascinating? Not one of them can say, "Well, how about we pay for it with a, ta- a massive tax increase?" You got to pay for it. Uh, well, here's the wealthy. One. Here's one: reunite the immigrant families, then take uh-huh. the billions paid monthly to ICE private companies, HHS for their care, court, transportation, and earmark it all for Ocasio. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, okay. So wait, that doesn't pay for We're already paying that amount, and we're in debt. And if you just let them go and in the country, then we're still going to be paying for their job or their tuition or something else, which would be more expensive. Uh, so I don't... We don't, we don't, we don't give ICE a billion dollars a month anyway. Raise your taxes. This is the first honest one. Raise taxes on the rich. There you go. Raise taxes to the level where income mm-hmm. concentration will reverse and wages and middle class incomes will rise. Raise the corporate tax back to 50%. Oh, my gosh. Raise the estate tax to 65. Raise taxes oh on you. Well, there you go. I mean, that's At least because it's that's the you still don't pay for everything. But that's the only way you can even begin to try to pay for everything. And that's to tax everybody into the dark ages again. You're at a 65% tax on what people have already paid taxes on their entire life. And then when they die, they got to give you 65% of everything they accrued? Doesn't seem fair. Immoral. Why don't you ask ask Donald Rump? Ah, that's funny. Because they left off the T. Who blew, who blew $1.7 trillion on a deficit for a tax break. No, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. The tax break helps the economy. Right. But it's suicide in the long run unless you include spending cuts. You've got to cut the spending as well. So I don't know why you're so hostile on that one. Um, stop giving away money to corporations and churches. Uh, churches we're giving away we're giving money, money to, churches? to churches i didn't know that didn't that know would that. well by giving away i'll bet you they're talking about uh the tax exemption for churches that's not giving them money that's letting them keep the money they they get you're, you're, you're not giving them anything how about raising mm. taxes on those who can afford it especially the one who makes millions bleeding on the radio telling poor people <laughs> that poor people are screwing them <laughs> You know, uh, who is that? Uh, Peter. Peter, I've paid more taxes than you will make in your entire life, I'm oh. guessing. I, uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think I've paid my fair share and then some. 
when you are in a situation to where you've grew up like I grew up, middle class family, uh, dad was, you know, struggled just to make ends meet. We lost the bank of the uh, bakery in the end uh, because my dad couldn't make go of it after 25 years. Um, and nobody ever went to college. We couldn't afford to go to college. If I was going to go to college, I had to pay for it myself, and we wouldn't have been looking for handouts, and I certainly didn't whine about it. Um, If you are in that situation, and you find yourself in a situation to where you can make it in America, I certainly am not going to be on the other side telling people to take your money away. I, I certainly do think that you should pay your fair share, but I don't believe in a progressive income tax. I think we all need skin in the game. And whether that's, you know, God asks for 10%, that's God. What's the, what's the government? Maybe we all pay 5%? Maybe we all pay 10%? I don't know. Under a certain income, give you a break. There's no, you don't, you don't have to have skin in the game. We're going to get on, you get you on your feet. But once you hit a certain level, everyone should have skin in the game. My folks, they sent me to private school. It was a Catholic school. And when we say private school in the West, it's not like private school in the East. And it's certainly not like a private school even even in the West today. It was a little teeny Catholic private school. My mom worked in the kitchen. They did fundraisers. My dad provided food from the bakery for fundraisers. My folks paid for some of the tuition and worked the rest of it off. We didn't get a handout. We couldn't afford it, but somehow or another, we all made it work. To me, that's fair. To me, what's fair is not looking at somebody's bank account, but looking at what they've done. Their bank account is irrelevant to me. I, God never gave me the right to take money from you. I don't have a right. If I came to your house and said, you know what? I want 10%. I want, you know what? I want 50% of your income. You know what? I want 65% of what you made. If I did that, you would, you would probably get me on racketeering. You'd probably, I would be a mob boss to be able to do that. But that's what you encourage others to do to me every day. Every day, anybody who is paying taxes is being told by somebody usually not paying taxes. We should take more of what you have. In, 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 in what universe is that right? In what universe is it right and legal for a mob to get together and say, we took a vote and we get half of what you have? It, beside, you know, the island of lost boys, well, where does that happen and is right? We could all get together together. 
and say, we all, if we're going to live here, are going to pay this amount. We're going to pay this percentage, all of us. That would be fair. But to have a small number of citizens decide that my amount is bigger than your amount doesn't seem based in that word that you keep using fair. Perhaps it does not mean what you think it means. Now it's time to sell your house. Have you been thinking about it? You think about buying a new house? Maybe you're getting transferred and you need to find a house in a new area. Whatever it is that you need when it comes to housing, realestateagentsitrust.com is there. And they are working uh, to get you the right agent that can make a significant difference in the outcome of buying or selling. We have over a thousand agents all over America who are just like you. In fact, well over a thousand agents. Uh, and these people have all been personally interviewed. The, the agents are all top-notch. Notch. They're fully vetted. Uh, they are handpicked for their knowledge, their skill, and their track record based on what they do in your area. So if you're looking for a real estate agent, you need the right one. You need somebody who's going to sell your home fast and for the most amount of money. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Put them to the test realestateagentsitrust.com So, uh, there's been a lot of controversy uh, concerning Scarlett Johansson's uh, decision to play a transgendered uh, character. The LGBTQ community is very upset, and social justice types have been raging uh, about Johansson. Now, she was, she was going to play um, a crime kingpin who was born a woman but identified as a male in the film Rub, Rub and Tug. In an interview with NPR, naturally, a trans activist had this to say about it. So explain that a little more. Why is it deeply offensive to you when a cis actor is chosen to play a trans character? So casting male actors to play trans women and female actors to play trans men really reinforces the idea that trans men are really women who are pretending to be men and tricking people into thinking they're men, as opposed to the truth, which is that transgender men are living authentically as themselves. And we look like men and we feel like men and we are perceived as men. And there's no reason like women should be playing us. Oh, man. I got a lot to say there. A lot to say there. Immanuel Kant comes to mind. There are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. So in response to the backlash, Scarlett Johansson released a statement to her critics, and she said, tell them that they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor or Jared Leto or Felicity Huffman. These are all cis actors who played, played trans characters. Why isn't there uh, this amount of outcry when Jeffrey Tambor uh, chose to play uh, Mora in Transparent? Now, that sounds good. And then she buckled. Uh, and then she buckled. Um, so what's the source of all of this outrage? It's a small vocal mob. 
who the mainstream media has for some reason given a platform and whose voice is louder than the rest of ours and they're able to bully until they get what they want. Let's say that Scarlett Johansson had refused to uh, had refused the role to begin with on the ground that she wouldn't play a transgendered character. I can guarantee you that the same crowd wouldn't say, oh, good. They would have said, how dare her? And would have probably tried to force her to play that role. Can't we just live next to each other? Can't we just leave each other alone? You want to you want to dress as a woman and you want to be a woman and claim you're a woman. I'm going to have a scientist argue the X and Y chromosome thing with you. But I that's only if you push me and push me and push me. I mean, I'm fine. You live any way you want. I don't care. Oh, I love Hollywood eating their own, though. That's just well, tasty. I love Liberals the fact eating their own. I love the fact that uh, you cannot get a a cis person to play a trans person. Right. Not in Hollywood. They no. can't pretend they can't act. What are you? <laughs> what are you crazy? D- did anybody have a problem with the play uh, Hamilton? I don't think so. Those were black people playing the part that white people. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not going there. on. That's um, not going on. I haven't seen Hamilton. So, There's black people playing yeah, the founders. Playing white people. Oh, my. God. Yeah. That's crazy. Talk. Right. Uh, there was no outrage. There was no outrage. There's no outrage. Nobody cared about because that. Because there is no outrage here even. Right. It's Hollywood. Right. Exactly. Who cares? How dare you play John F. Kennedy? Only John F. Kennedy should play John F. Kennedy. <laughs> what? what are you t- it's a... Bu- <sighs> That's their job to play people that they aren't. Oh, I... Ugh. Postmodernism hurts. It really hurts. We'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock, only on The Blaze TV. Glenn Beck, Mercury.